This Metatainment production is brought to you today by the Samurai Aquatics and Decor Metaventure. Scan that QR code or click that link in the description and dive yourself headfirst into the Samurai Aquatics Discord server to pleasure your peepers on our current and future range of outdoor decor. The Wine and She Show is a Metaverse and NFT discussion interview series brought to you by Metaverse Ventures Entertainment and host Ben68 and more cheats. Warning, the information and opinions within are solely the views of the individuals involved contains content not suitable for anyone. G'day and thanks for listening to or watching the Wine and Cheese in the Metaverse show. I'm Ben68 here for episode number 88, recording live in Australia on Saturday the 10th of June. Uh, with more cheese off and gorging herself on all the tasty Upland Genesis Week events in Las Vegas, this week I was joined by a third time returning guest, WX33, a.k.a. Keanu, who is one of my three kids. Together, we discussed a few Upland-related things, including the heaviest Upland FUD article I've ever seen, and we also looked into Apple's VR headset launch. Then Keanu took over for the first episode of his new show called Keanu Talks, featuring stories and highlights from his slash our recent trip to Japan. So sick goes. Get yourself ready to jump on into what might be the least shittiest episode yet of the worst show ever. Wine and cheese. Time for wine and cheese. Wine and cheese. Time for wine and cheese. Cheese. One is a ranger, one's like it stumps, one's from Australia, one's from the Bronx. Welcome to the Wine and Cheese Show. This is episode number 88, and I'm here with very special guest co-host, Mr. WX33, for your third time appearance, I believe. Yes, it is my third time here, and yep, face reveal. Yes, and Don't I should know. say, if, if you want to wear Keanu as well, WX33, or as he, you will know him from now on, Keanu, he is one of my kids. And he's using my old crappy headset. So if there's any audio issues, apologies for that. Um, as to why it's not the wine and cheese show, well, more cheese is in Las Vegas, living it up, uh, doing all the Upland Genesis Week stuff. So I'm sure right at this very minute, actually, she's probably getting ready for the awards ceremony. And there's all sorts of stuff going on there. So I hope she's having fun and look forward to catching up with her. Um Speaking of Upland stuff, there's a few things to touch on this week. We're not going to dive into anything in much depth because I've been busy working on an AI project and I haven't been engaged much at all. But if you are in Genesis Week, um, no doubt you've had an amazing time. Um, or if you haven't been able to go to Las Vegas in person, there's just been no end of things to do this year with um, different events and that to do. Um, as I said, I don't know much about this myself and we don't have cheese here to hold my hand and guide me through it all. So that's about all we're going to touch on for that. Now, as I do at the start of every one and cheese show, I go over to the old Google and I do a search Upland Metaverse News. And I found an article today, Keanu, that 
it's not exactly a positive one. Normally we get these positive news articles. Now we're always happy to see new news articles pop up for Upland, but this one's not that great. So I don't know. let's have a dive in. Let's see what it says. So first of all, look at the heading, public warning. Read, oh. read that headline for me. Public warning on masking Upland metaverse game scheme in the crashing crypto market. Doom and gloom, doom and gloom. Oh, no. It says here, in the fast-paced world of crypto ventures, it's essential to take a critical look at the various projects that dot the landscape. One such project that has been in the talks is Upland, a blockchain-powered real estate trading game. However, beneath the gloss of its innovative gaming concepts lies an intricate web of questionable strategies and controversial management. This article aims to shed light on these issues, providing a public warning about upland metaverse game practices. Dun dun dun. Oh no. So it is a quite a lengthy article. Um I'm not yeah. gonna dive into it all. The link is in the description of course. So if you want to go and check it out, please do so. Uh the headings here, the subheadings at least are Upland Review, a dream turned profit driven scheme. Number two, empty promises and non-functional tokens. So it's not, it's not an NFT non-fungible token. They're, they're calling it a non-functional token. That's pretty hilarious. Um, inflated, inflated partnerships and failed conversion attempts, the endless cycle of money-driven expansion, questionable marketing, marketing tactics, the Upland experience, ghost towns and disillusioned early adopters, Dirk Luth, the man behind Upland, Upland's US-Germany scheme happening in less than 24 hours. That has actually gone through. I got up at 2.50 a.m. this morning oh. to mint four properties in the latest city, Berlin. Minted those properties and pretty much went straight back to bed. Uh, number nine on the headings here is Dirk's troublesome track record. OMA3 and species.io involvements. Number 10, big warning. Upland's entry into Germany. Number 11, Lindsay Ant. What manipulative marketing strategies? Number 12, concerns over true ownership in Upland. Number 13, Upland's broken promises, exploitation disguised as community building. Number 14, conclusion, the misalignment of Wagmai and Upland. And number 14.1, final warning and reflections. <gasps> oh. Oh, oh, no. Um, I don't believe it has... Posted by, no, it says, so this is CryptoTicker.io. It doesn't say, at least at the top, who wrote this. So we'll see what it is. Um, as I said, that, that goes into a bit of the history here. It talks about Genesis Week. Uh, here we go. Empty promises and non-functional tokens. One of the earliest signs of Upland's profit-driven approach was its partnership with CryptoTicker. Now, I haven't heard of this myself. Aiming to enter the German market. So I'm not sure about that one. However, despite the hype, the only significant development was the announcement of an NFT drop. I, I believe they're meaning Germany. Unfortunately, these NFTs had no functionality with Upland and were solely intended to generate revenue. Buyers were promised that these NFTs would eventually be used within the Upland metaverse, but this turned out to be an empty promise. No, that doesn't sound like the German release, uh, the Berlin release. So I'm not sure what that one is about. Yeah. So. Inflated partnerships and failed conversion attempts. It's interesting. They've got a picture here from the FIFA World Cup. Um, it's got here, it states, it became clear that Upland's primary focus was not on delivering an immersive and enjoyable metaverse experience, but rather on generating profits through NFT sales made through heavy, heavy marketing, hype, and partnerships. Um, oh. 
we wish there was heavy heavy marketing. Um, the endless cycle of money driven expansion. Uh, it goes on to say a bunch of stuff there. Of all this, it, we've spoken about this in the show. You can't constantly just sell stuff without going back and finishing things off. So I guess there's some element of truth there. But at the same time, Upland is a business. They do need to sell things to get funds to keep the lights on in the office. Questionable marketing tactics. Um, we've said that they're not marketing strong enough. Uh, the Upland experiences, ghost towns and delusioned early adopters. Well, I'm a very early adopter. I don't think I'm quite disillusioned themselves, uh, myself. Um, and I'll speak to that in a second, a bit more from a personal experience. Um, Dirk Luth, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff here. So yeah, I think the best thing that you can do is get yourself over and dive on into this yourself. Um, I'll just... I'm interested to see what their conclusions are. Yeah. Concerns over true ownership. Yeah, we Cheese and I spoke about that last week. Um, exploitation disguised as community building. Interesting. Uh, final warning and reflections. As the world of blockchain-based projects continues to evolve, we must remain vigilant and disconcerning. For now, given the mounting concerns and controversy surrounding Upland, it's advisable to exercise caution and avoid investing in the venture. Our collective power as involved investors can help shape a more equitable and transparent crypto landscape. The end. Recommended posts. Blah, blah, blah. So it doesn't actually say who the author of this was. So... Oh, yeah. interesting. Is this a targeted piece of FUD? People trying to hate on the project? Maybe that means it's doing quite well if haters are going to hate on it. I'm not sure. Yeah. So what I can say is um, you're, you are aware of this because we've been speaking about it as a family. I have, for the last six weeks almost, I have started to play around with the USD out market. So I'm buying virtual property within the Upland metaverse and I'm selling that for real world fiat money and I'm pulling that fiat money out and I'm using that for us to pay our bills at home. So basically I'm buying and selling imaginary houses to help pay off our real life house in the real world. How, you, you're a young fellow. What, what, what do you think about that? I feel like that's actually pretty cool because all you have to do is spend like to start up an upland, you would probably need to spend like a few dollars to get enough UPEX, except after you get enough, then you get in the cycle where you can keep buying and selling, buying and selling. So then it's easier and then you could eventually start selling properties for real money. Yes. So. Now, of course, um, you're not old enough to legally play upland yourself just yet. But um, yeah, yeah. It, it is definitely something that's, it's kind of reached that point at home where you know it's a it's a weird position to be in um there are a lot of um not financial advice tax caveats and this that and the other thing you got to make sure that you cover your own basis with that regards but yeah basically i'm helping to pay off my mortgage my real life mortgage with my imaginary upland virtual blue squares pixels whatever you want to call it yeah so that's about all we're going to touch on with Upland this week. Uh, I'm sure Cheese will be back on the show next week and we look forward to getting up to speed with everything that she's got going on. I believe she said she's recorded seven hours of footage already and she was thinking she was going to record seven hours more. So she's dug, she's dug herself quite the hole there to edit all together. But um, good on you, Cheese. Yeah. And I know she was very busy. We had a booth 
there as well for MBE and all the various projects we got going on. So thank you to Cheese and Sawley as well for setting that all up and for everybody else that came and said hello to Cheese and whatnot. All right, so we're not going to touch on too many articles this week, but we're going to dive straight into it because I'd rather much, I'd much rather, sorry, hear what you've got to say, but we'll get to that in a minute. Now, one of the big major things that did happen through the week is that we had the launch of the Apple's Vision Pro VR headset. Now, Cheese and I spoke about this recently, and, you know, Cheese will basically wasn't expecting much for it. I was kind of more on the edge that this may be a huge game changer. Um, there was hints at the price. I believe it's now $3,600 or something for a VR headset. <laughs> Look at your eyes just went huge. Yeah, what, do you think I mean, of, what do you think about that for a price? I mean, I used to think that VR headsets cost like $11,000, but turns out they only cost like 500, which is a lot less, yeah. except it, Except for like thirty thousand, unless you really know what you're getting into, I feel like for anybody out there who's playing and on getting it, maybe if you don't know anything about it, dive in before spending three thousand dollars on something that's for like actual VR headset playing. Like it's better to buy one of like the Oculus Quest twos, like yeah. because they're five hundred bucks, way cheaper, and they're for gaming stuff. Yeah, and that's three thousand six hundred US dollars. So that would be well over four thousand our money. So yeah, that's a lot of birthday money to save up. So yes, the Vision Pro VR headset was launched on Apple. Um, this article goes on to go on a bit of how it's going to impact the wider metaverse space. Um, it says here, the Vision Pro VR headsets interoperability with current Apple products includes iPhones and Macs. That's pretty cool. And it's a crucial feature. Mm. It says, this connection makes it easy to create and share information, give users a simpler way to interact in the metaverse. It is anticipated that the integration of Apple's ecosystem with the metaverse will enhance usage and entice developers to produce cutting-edge software and experiences. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was thinking this is going to be the next stage in Apple's dominance of, you know, high tech products and this, that, and the other thing. Um, this speaks about the effect it might have on these uh, metaverse tokens. I've never even heard of these tokens, so I'm not going to go into that. Yeah. Um, maybe you could read this one. Can you read that section? Yep. Overall, the introduction of Apple's Vision Pro VR headset at WWDC 2023 represents a huge advancement for the metaverse industry. The technical the technological powers prowess, prowess. prowess of Apple, its user-friendly interface and seamless interaction with its current ecosystem have the potential to hasten to the uptake and expansion of the metaverse. Yeah, hasten, make it fast. Um, Mike, can you just pull your microphone a bit further away from your mouth? Just a little bit like, yeah, just so it's not got so much feedback. Yes, I think so. I, I believe it's going to be a game changer, but we'll just have to wait and see. Um, there's a couple more things here to touch on on that. So here we've got, we asked Metaverse users what they think of Apple's VR headsets. And this is interesting. Uh, <laughs> read that. Everyone knows a thing or two, two things about the Metaverse. It's very expensive and it's crap. <laughs> So, yes, the costs for the metaverse, you know, even $500 is a hell of a lot of money for a lot of people. And I don't know, you, you've played with 
you've played with um, Oculuses and Metaverse far yeah. more than I have. Yeah, I've played it for two hours straight. And literally half of the time, I'm just like, have my VR headset on, just going boom to just play a game because that's how you move, just moving your hands around to move. My yeah. arms hurt like for three days after that, but it was so worth it. So that's um, that's like gaming experiences where the metaverse is going to be a little bit different. But I don't know, you, you seem to always enjoy those experiences. You didn't come away. If I remember correctly, you're like, I want one. Yeah, because those sort of things, I know how expensive they are, but just being able to be that immersed into a game or something just makes it way more fun. Like buying a VR headset, if you're going to play it like very often, then it's totally worth it. But if like it's an every now and then thing, maybe look for a cheaper one that isn't too expensive, like maybe a used one that's mm. resaled by someone. Because you, if you're not going to use it that often, you don't have to have one that's like too good. But if you're yeah. going to play a lot, might as well buy a new one instead of a re-owned one. So that that's again, that's more for gaming. Is is it something you could see like if you wanted to just chat to your friends? Like now you do it, you still use headsets and this, that, and the other thing. And what do you, you just use when you're talking to your friend and you're playing a game? What's the platform you're using on your tablet? Is that just messenger like your kids? Yeah, it's just messenger kids. So, would could you imagine using that? for like the metaverse aspect to just go and talk to your mates or like instead of just like actually like with certain video games like when you're cool when you're like you can actually just automatically if you're playing with them so i feel like that's how it's might gonna be in the metaverse so like when you're just playing around and then like one of your friends join you could instantly go on a call from them through like something inside there Mm. so it's kind of like uh, an immersive experience within the experience it's kind of layers to it or something like that interesting yeah so um this people talks about uh, this article sorry talks about how some of the issues that meta and mark zuckerberg have with the platform uh it says people didn't really want to wear droopy scuba masks um, even though the people who thought they did actually didn't, the company has sold about 20 million. 20 million? Is that what that means? 20, 20 MN? I, don't, I think maybe. That seems yeah. like a hell of a lot. 20 million headsets, but many, perhaps most, gather dust. Uh, but that's like most gaming systems. People buy it yeah. and then they lose interest or whatever. So interesting. So here, now it's Apple's turn to play. Apple unveiled its long-awaited mixed reality headset on Monday in its most anticipated hardware product launch since Steve Jobs revealed the iPad in 2010. Yeah, that's what I said to Cheese. To Cheese, I said like I think this is going to be as massive as what like the iPad and the iPhone and that was. So the gadget called Vision Pro will be available early next year. It combines virtual reality with augmented reality, which overlays digital images on top of the real world. Oh, I was wrong. I said 3,600. Apple said it would sell for 3,499. Even more than most analysts had expected and nearly 12 times the price of Meta's Quest 2. So, yeah, that goes to what you were saying. Yeah, the Quest 2. Yeah, if if you're not sure if this is something you want to do. um, Just get the Quest 2. The Quest 2. Wait, I think there's also the Quest 3 coming out soon or it's already come out. It's like also $1,000. You can even buy earlier versions as well, secondhand and that. So, yeah. Interesting. So... No, again, it's one of those things you can dive into this article yourself. Um, 
What's this? It said that people hate it. Let's see if there's any opinions. I don't think it might have actual quotes from people. Oh, yep, yeah, right there, that one. Do you see it? We eventually yeah. managed to talk. So this is about using it. We eventually managed to talk to Angel Bay, a woman from Texas who wasn't much of a conversationalist. Can you hear me? Yes. Did you see the Apple headset launch? Yes. What do you think of it? I don't really know about it. You don't? No. Are you drunk? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's nice. not much to go off. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's about what you're going to do with it. It is very new tech. You can't judge it by that. That's ridiculous. Yeah, um, because, like, if it, it's not like you can expect, like, a brand new thing to just instantly be crazy good graphics or something. Because yeah. normally video games, they, they have, like, like, it's really bad at the start until when more people join so then they can actually afford it, they slowly go up. Because if you just make a smack dab amazing game, you're going to make money, but you're probably going to make not make as much money as you slammed all of that into. Yes. Because it would have cost like thousands to create that and you wouldn't be able to fully make it and then like get the money in return where if you slowly update it, more people see, oh, there's something new, might try getting in when it's better and then they'll you'll get a lot more money. Absolutely. Now, this is interesting here. Look, look at this. Um, so this is talking about a guy who in the same, same sort of conversation as before with that lady. So what does he hope will be improved over the current tech? It's augmented reality like lenses over your eyes. So it'll be better than tunnel vision with the Oculus. So that blackboard, those blackboarders, they make it feel like a game. Uh, are you an Apple user? Yes, blah, blah, blah. Apple's pricing also surprised analysts. JP Morgan had expected a launch price of two to three K, but was won over by the richness of features. Okay. So they were expecting a high price, but they actually thought the features were even better than they were expecting. No handheld controller. Well, then you can't do this with your arms. You're just going to have to be like, and just stay in one pose. No, because like a lot of these um, future headsets and glasses and that that we've been looking at, they actually they track your hand movements from the headset. Oh. Yeah, so you don't like... need to hold anything because it's tracking it. Yeah, I mean, it would make it feel more immersive, but then it would probably be harder to control stuff like clicking buttons. Like, how would you even do that? Like it might have like a wow. virtual thing on your hand of like which finger to put down like combos for different button selections in certain games or something in the future. Maybe I've only or played... sorry, I've only played with the controllers, mm. and so many one goofy thing happens. Like if somebody else grabs the control and takes it so away when you're fit, standing still with a headset, your arm just goes stretches, and stretches out. out. Like when you're a character, it looks so goofy. That's funny. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, because it's all it's monitored from the visor. That's a completely a different system. So mm -hmm. I have to wait and see on that one. There's something else I was going to say, but I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, anyhow, yeah, it seems pretty cool. Importantly, we envision the aforementioned key highlights combining together and providing things. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So you're talking about having uh, buttons and that. Well, but what about if that's an a part of the AR with these glasses. If there's an augmented reality pop-up and you're having, you know, virtual buttons or whatever, that's, you like know, you've seen stop. those future, yeah, you've seen those futuristic sci-fi movies where they they open up a screen and they make it wider and they scroll through things and they push Yeah, buttons. like they just go like this. Yeah, to make it go away. Yeah, exactly. So... And then, like, they enlarge it and stuff like that. If that's going to be the future, like, imagine yes. if you're just, like, walking through with, you, like, 
I feel like in the future, if it gets far enough, you're just going to be wearing normal glasses that give you the effects of normal glasses, plus like the AR. So like if you, oh, yep. I left my phone at home, you just go swipe. Oh, there's my phone. And then you can just like actually look what's in your phone virtually instead of physically having it. Through like you can just leave yeah. your... Yeah, like you could just leave your computer at home so it doesn't get stolen like when you're walking around or you lose something because you can just go, oh, there it is. I I think eventually, given enough, I don't know how long it will take, five, ten years maybe, I think everything will be in, like like the glasses I'm wearing now, they'll eventually get to the point where it's shrunk down like that and your glasses will be a VR, AR headset. They will be your mobile phone. They will be all of these things all in one. It'll be all in one. Yeah. So, I mean, the world's yeah. largest computer before had like the first computer had like an entire apartment building room that's like the entire floor just covered in servers to just run like a tiny little laptop that could only write letters and stuff. Crunch a few except, numbers, yeah. Yeah, except now we just have stuff and like little motherboards, like just a way smaller than an entire apartment building that you can just yeah. slip in your pocket and it does way more than it could do. Like from that, just being able to go that far, I'm not going to be too too surprised if we make laptops for ants. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, um, we were sitting around the backyard fire last night and I was talking to your my mum, your grandma and your, your mum and we're talking about how like my generation was the last generation that grew out grew up without the internet and all of that sort of stuff. But you guys, you, you were born with the internet. You've had it your whole life. So it's going to be really interesting to see, like, when you get old enough to have a job and that sort of stuff, how far you guys are going to progress and push things. So right now, most of this stuff is being built from people like such as myself who are at in my age group who didn't grow up with the tech. So you guys have a completely different perspective of what could be done and what you want to do with it. So I don't know. I think it's like, all very cool. Yeah. I feel like your generation has less time to play with the new stuff, but since we're going to be used to it, like it will keep going up and up and up. Like Evans later will say, oh, I didn't grow up with virtual computers in the floating in the sky. <laughs> or like, or yeah. just like, like Back in my day, cars. we used to have to hold our tablets in our hands. Yeah. 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 yeah I feel like point. after... Like soon you wouldn't even have to walk. You'll just have like horror. Have you seen Wall-E? Every yeah. I bet like that's the future technically. Just everybody just sitting on those chairs, just floating around. Big blobs that- of loosely held together bones. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, just floating around. I've, yes. I feel like that's sort of making fun of how humanity is, and it's probably true because like how we try to make stuff as easy as possible, where it would get so easy that we just make normal the normal stuff harder for ourselves because we got so used to it yeah absolutely i think you're dead right there all right that's all we're going to cut touch on um for the the spillage as we like to call it as i said it's kind of a different format show this week um basically this this episode is all about setting you up for your show now you have been talking about doing or wanting to do your own show Pretty much since way back when um, you jumped on with Cheese and I, I don't know when that was. That was quite a long time ago. Remember when Cheese? Maybe. Maybe, yeah. When Cheese did that yeah. awesome NFT up for you. Um, so you, you've been talking about it. We've been recently going backwards and forth, and basically today is going to be essentially the first episode 
of your show. Now, before we dive into that, um, I know you, of course, because, you know, I was there when you were born, but a lot of the folks, the listeners and the watchers out there, they don't really know who you are. Can you just give us a bit of a background information? Like previously, we knew you as WX33, but you are Keanu. Yeah. Who are you and what are you all about in your real life or whatever yeah. you want to say? So my just don't life... say your last name. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was I'd spoil your last name too. Yes. Okay, and so uh, my hobbies are gaming. I don't really do much physically. Like, I'm not more of a running person. I'm more of just a sit-down-and-relax person. And a lot of stuff, like, in my life recently, I've just got – I was just yesterday. We had to do, like, a few tests and stuff at high school for like to get in an academic program. And yesterday we got – my mom got the letter that I got in. So it was pretty yes. fun and happy. So you're in your last year of primary school, which – yeah. It's different in different countries. They have elementary school or middle school, but yeah, you're in your last year of primary school. And yeah, again, congratulations. It's a huge achievement. I know you put in a, a lot of work to apply for that um, academic excellence program. So yeah, it'll be quite a challenge um, stepping into high school next year and straight into academic, academic excellence program. And you are also headed to university in a couple of weeks. What is all that about? Oh uh, yeah. So for I've been recently doing a ton of STEM stuff, which is science, technology, engineering, and math. And one of the things we actually did before one of the experience days, we actually got to like play with virtual virtual reality headsets. You actually just got a phone and then you slotted it into a slot to make it immersive. We're playing with something called co-spaces, like where you can build your own world, like on a computer, like with building blocks and stuff, create an environment, and then you can get a phone, log into CoSpaces with the same account, go onto that world, click, go to options, turn it to VR mode, and then you can slot it into, I don't know how, where you buy those, but like, and then you can just walk around because there's a button on that, which makes you move. Mm. I mean, that's the only ones that I've seen. It's pretty cool. Uh, I also like had fun making it. Also, a lot of people, um, let's just say, didn't make very nice environments. Like babies on fire, massive yeah, babies in cities on fire, massive PNGs of Shrek everywhere. Like yeah. people found out so many different stuff. Every time I've been on that, there's always someone who's making like a baby on fire. Like that's the size of a skyscraper. It, it yes. wouldn't be like that. It wouldn't be like that without the babies on fire. I don't That's know why people are one of the main features, apparently. Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. Like for me as your dad, like when I was your age, I wasn't really interested in school at all, but you're not even at high school yet. And you've already been invited to do a STEM course at university. That's just crazy. So. Yeah. I think we're going to do a lot of cool stuff there. I don't really know. Yeah. But one thing that I do know is that with that game, the first time I actually played around with it, I made I, I have to admit it, I made gigantic rats, like just massive rats across the whole board. Except the second time through, which was like a few weeks ago, I decided to make something normal and actually good while everybody else still picked massive rats and babies on fire, I guess. Rats, babies on fire. It sounds all very interesting. Now, is this something you're going to be talking about in your show moving forward? Might. 
maybe I might even create like an immersive world thing where like I can show you guys, show the viewers stuff that I make. Cool. Might do that in the future. So that's a good segue. So we know that you want to start your own show that's going to be produced by Metaverse Ventures Entertainment. We're going to put it out for you. What's it going to be all about? So I'm going to talk about all of the different stuff in my normal life or whatever I feel like, whenever I feel like. Like one day we might be talking about turtles and then the other day we're talking about turtle tunnels under trains so then the trains don't fly off into space. Okay. Yes, I know that. But um, kind of always looking for a futuristic spin or something like that, I think you said. Yeah. Yes. All right. And how often do you want to do this show? this show of yours? If I feel like it, I might do it like every week. But if I don't feel like it, I might do it every two weeks. So keep your calendars up like in random spots, I guess. It's probably my plan is like on Sundays or yeah, on Sundays, like maybe midway Sunday or early Sunday, I'll do the show actually recording. And by right. the way, right now it is 12 o'clock while we're recording at uh, Australia. Yep. So, yeah. Um, and on Saturday, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, this is going to be pretty much the first episode of your show. Now, I'm going to shut up and just hop out of the road and let you take it away. What's this all going to be all about, this first show of yours? Okay. So, let's just say this is going to be the chaotic adventure of Japan. That can be like the subtitle or something. And by the <laughs> okay. way, the series is going to be... This is going to be called, this series is going to be called Keanu Talks, as my name is Keanu, and I'm going to be talking a lot. So, by the way, quick heads up, this is the topics I'll be talking about. Trains, gacha gachas, there was a lot of those, just entire walls. The Pokemon Center, aka the search for SNOM, if you don't know what SNOM is, I'll tell that in that segment. And also the Japanese hotels. Legoland, aquariums, Universal Studios, Japan, everything I went to, really. All right. Well, there you have it, Sikos. I shall hand you over to Keanu, and you can take it away, mate, and I'm going to get it out of here. I will be here if you need me. I'll just be off screen. And let's go for first topic, trains. He's going to set that up real quick. Yep, that's one of the images when my dad and me, we were, the trains, they were chaotic. Let's just say that when you're on a train in Japan, half of the time, it's going to be that full, like where you're literally being squished by strangers. It's just chaotic, really. Except sometimes it's nice and you can sit down and relax, but other times you're just like rushing through and getting pushed around sometimes. It's sort of crazy that way. I remember a ton of different things with the trains, like sometimes it felt like it was going to tip over on turns and stuff. Pretty fun experience, actually, the seeing what trains are like in Japan and stuff. I really like going on trains, and I normally here I only get to go like every through, like every two, five years because I have to go on the train to go to Brisbane to get my passport done. But like, I think we've found another way to get it easier, so I can't even do that anymore. Except like going on trains every day was really fun for me. And the experience was really nice. Now let's talk about the different types of trains and the engineering behind them. So first of all, normal trains. They're normal trains, I guess. Uh, they're trains. Except bullet trains. That's the exciting part. So they, instead of being stubby smashed 
like normal trains where they have a flat face, they're streamlined to go very fast. And uh, I've been in one. It doesn't feel that fast when you're inside, but I bet it looks really fast outside because I didn't actually see one at full speed. I don't think we've our one even went to full speed. And we went on one when we were going from Nagoya to Osaka. It was a cool trip. I recommend going on bullet train for long travel distance. It's cool if you want to. And yeah, that's bullet trains. Now, this is just an extra thing I'm going to talk about. Two extra things. We also went on a few subways. If you don't know what a subway is, it's an underground train. I thought they were just called underground trains, but looks like they got their own category. They're just trains underground. That's all I have to say for that. Except, here's the technology part of stuff. Maglev trains. If you don't know what maglev trains are, floating trains. And now, if you think that's crazy, yeah, they run off magnets. Because the reason why trains can't go, like, infinitely fast is because of friction. And if you don't know what friction friction is, then why are you here? Like, you didn't probably even go to school yet. And, yeah. Ouch. Friction. Yeah, you better know what friction is. If you're an adult and don't know what friction is, I think you may have um, forgotten a lot of important stuff at school. But anyway, for anybody who doesn't know what friction is, it's the force when two things rub against each other. Can't go infinitely fast because there's a tiny bit of force stopping it. And that's what that's with the maglev trains. Since they use magnets, they hover over each other and there's no friction, so they can move as fast as they want. But the problem with them is that to actually go fast without tipping off, they have to go on a straight line, which means it's actually, I remember one of the projects was like run from Osaka to Tokyo that only takes like, uh, like a few, like 30 minutes to get from there or two hours. It's like very fast, except that was like, they had to drill through an entire mountain. Like that was the big problem because like, there's so much, it's, you don't know if there's going to be a direct clear path forward. It's really hard to build that sort of stuff, and yeah, they had to use high power magnets, everything to keep it safe. I don't think that I think there's only like one open that's in China, like only one actually operational one for now. Except I feel like maglev trains, although that's normally in Asia trains. I feel like in the future trains will be like normal public transport instead of buses and stuff, unless we get floating buses. Like, I feel like instead of flying cars, like, zoom, like, airplanes, we're going to have cars that just float a tiny bit off the ground. Like, imagine in Formula One, instead of just them, you just, they already go, like, crazy fast and they're all incredibly loud. Like, imagine just one going out, like, the speed of light from just floating off the ground. That might just be Mario Kart. Yep, probably Mario Kart. Yeah, Mario Kart. Because in Mario Kart, after you go over a certain thing, your wheels flip over them and start hovering over the ground to go on impossible surfaces. Who knows? The future might Formula One turn mine into Mario Kart F1. Like you literally just go on loop-de-loops and stuff. That would be scary, but also pretty fun. Talking about Mario Kart, we're going to talk about that ride from USJ later in the segment. So now I think it's time we move off from trains, since I've talked mostly about them. Let's head to gotcha gotchas. The money draining, but totally worth it stuff. Now you can already see that looks like a lot of gotcha gotchas in one row. That's like 2% of the entire thing. They have like lines of more than 100 gotcha gotchas straight with two on top of each other in like 
five lines. There's so many gacha gachas in Japan. Sometimes they're like stacked five high. I remember. I can show some of the gacha gachas. This is one of the ones that I got from the aquarium that we're going to be talking about later. It's a little penguin stand. Now, some people is might the... not know what a gacha gacha is because that's the Japanese word for it. I don't even know yeah. what the English word is. Um, can you explain know, like... what what it is? So gacha gachas, as you can see, I think like they're technically like toy vending machines, except not vending machines. They're like so he, basically. If you, I don't even know the English name, but practically here's what they are. You put money in that tiny little gray slot that you can see on some of them. You plop some yen in there or coins if somehow there's gacha gacha is not Asia. And then you turn around the crank and then a random little toy thing from which one you've chosen drops down. You don't know which one you're going to get because there's normally selection. I think we got that from the first shopping trip we went to Japan in, I forget what it was called. What was the place called that we first went to that was right near our house? Uh, Yoshizuya, right? Yeah, Yoshizuya. Yeah. And I just yeah, had was... a look on Google. They're just called Capsule Toy. Capsule Toy. I think yeah. Gacha Gacha sounds better. Yeah. Capsule my... Toy sounds like something that you would... That doesn't sound like a name for something. <laughs> Capsule Toy. That's the weirdest name I've ever heard. I prefer Gacha Gacha. I feel like everybody who knows what they are calls them gacha gachas, not capsule toys. If you call them capsule toys, I have no idea. You're probably just used to it and you've never heard of gacha gacha, the other word for it. I feel like say, calling it capsule toy is a bit weird because it doesn't sound that right. But now let's go into the engineering behind them. I don't know much about some of them, but I know mostly about them. As you can see, there's like three massive spring things that like spin around after you crank it. It's practically, I think it's how it works. I'm not 100% sure. You can Google it yourself, but here's what I think how it works. So those three things spin, traffic, bringing a gacha gacha down the chute into there. And I think how they stop it from you just getting like five is either it's really hot, like you can only get one through after it spins and then no more can get out. Or like there's a little sensor. So after one drops through, after only one payment, then it just like shuts it off or something like from any others coming in. I feel like it's probably the first one where it's just like it's too tight for two to fit in after one crank. I feel like that's the more reasonable option. Now, I don't know how fully they work, but I have a ton of different gacha gachas. I can sh uh, these are two of them that I got, little Kirby's. Uh, my, they're very cool. Like gacha gachas are really cool little toys to get. I recommend if you're going to Japan, maybe get a few of what you want. My dad, Ben sixty eight, aka my dad, he also got like a really cool samurai gacha gacha thing. So there's good stuff for like adults too, for a souvenir. And yeah, Japan has a lot of cool stuff, and gacha gachas is one of those things. But be careful because we, I had grandparents that gave us a thousand dollars to spend on stuff, and I bet you don't have that when you're going to Japan. So like. I recommend not going to and like your entire bank account in five seconds, I tell you. Like 100 yen, you don't think it's a lot until you find out that's $1, and then 500 yen, and then it stacks up like a ton, and then you're suddenly broke. Yes. So yeah, it's, it's pretty funny and stuff. Like with gacha gachas, they're such cool things to do and get, but they, they're addictive, and then you lose all of your money in like five seconds without you knowing. Because like, oh, there's that one. Oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. 
like, just maybe if you're bringing kids to Japan, put a limit on that. Like, two gacha gachas every day if you're rich. Like, one every week if you're, like, trying to keep a steady budget for money-wise. Unless you got family in Japan that's willing to give you a thousand dollars because they haven't seen you in like eight years <laughs> I have one of those so <laughs> I guess that works that's a very specific example yes yeah okay and that's all I gotta say about gotcha gotchas now this is the third segment uh it's called it's about the Pokemon Center but I like to refer to it as the failed quest of the search for snom now if you don't know what snom is uh i I can't really show you any pictures, but uh, I think I might have a reference in my room somewhere. Actually, don't think so. Oh, yeah, I do. So I'll show you guys what Snom is. Just going to quickly grab it. Yes, one of Keanu's main prerogatives when we were in Japan, it was to try and find a Snom plushie, which I'm sure he'll explain we were unsuccessful at. So we ended up coming back to Australia and he's ordered one online and I believe it's going to arrive uh, sometime next week, which will be exciting. Yeah. So, yeah, this is Snom. If you think it has a butt for a face, don't. Don't think that. Or else I'm going to come to your house and that's not going to be fun for you. It's Snom. AKA, well, it's actually based off something that you could search up. They're called jewel caterpillars. They look like, they don't look like this. They just look like, the caterpillars with lots of see-through ice spikes. So this is what it's based off. Some facts about Snom for you. They eat snow. Yeah, they just eat snow, so. Yes, yeah, we should, Snom. We should clarify for the people who are only listening on Spotify that Snom is a Pokemon character. You can search him up on Bulbapedia. Just search up Snom Pokemon or just Snom in general. Then the first image, the first link should say from the Pokemon website Bulbapedia and it'll give you all the facts you need if you want to learn more about Snom. And yeah, we went through many different places in Japan trying to find the Snom plushie. None. Absolutely none. I was disappointed. And that's why we got one arriving. It was it was dreadful. Like I thought at least at one of the Pokemon centers it would be there. Nothing. The best we found was Snom hair clips and a Snom cup. And the Snom Cup we didn't even get from a Pokemon Center. Like that, and the Snom Cup, there was only like a tiny image of Snom on the entire cup of just a ton of other Pokemon. So, except the Snom hair clips were cool. Although I don't put it in my hair, I just use it as decor and stuff. Anyway, and Snom, that was cool. And time for the, some stuff about the Pokemon Center. Now, I the only thing I really got from a Pokemon Center was Pukumuku. If you don't know what Pukumuku is, it's like Snom but ocean form. It's a sea cucumber. Bring, I have a I bought the plushie. It's practically and by the way, if you don't know about the third one, there's also a third one for Snom Pukumuku. And the final one's called Pinchurchin, and you can search that one up too. I don't know specifically how to spell Pinchurchin. It's like a pincushion, a sea urchin. By the way, confirmed by Pokemon, they are a trio from images and stuff, you can tell. Anyway, you're going to grab the plushie for reference. Don't have anything Pink Churchin related. I was trying to find one on the internet since I had already Pukamuku, but literally everything is sold out. I think Pink Churchin's hot on the market. By the way, if you don't want it, it looks like has like a big yellow nose, little triangle eyes that are facing downs to make them look a bit like tired. Yeah, 
reference. He's also an electric type. Snoma's ice bug and Pukamuku's water fighting, I think, or just water. Now, this is my Pukamuku plush. It costs, like, I don't know how much, but it costs a lot, from what I know. Little tail fluff. By the way, fun fact about this guy. He spits out his intestines and turns it into a fist that punches opponents in the face. Yay. Well, anyway, I can. that's all I really have to talk about about those Pokemon, but what I really got at the Pokemon Center. Pokemon Center's... They were just as packed as the trains. Literally, the lines to buy stuff were 30 minutes long. Like, it was so annoying to get stuff. Because, like, if, if it was just one thing, there's no way you're waiting 30 minutes to get, like, a tiny little coin thing. You had to get, like, a ton of stuff if it was actually worth it to wait in the line. On the last time we were searching for Snom, I was so disappointed to find out that Snom wasn't there. Luckily, we found a good one for like $16 off the internet. Yay. Stump plushies. Anyway, I think that's enough for uh, the Pokemon Center and also other shops and stuff. Actually, I might talk about one of the staples of Japan that were the absolute best things in the world. Convenience stores. They're called convenience stores because they're very convenient. You can buy dinner there for like two bucks very convenient i one of the things i missed the most from japan was just being able to buy like a full-on onigiri do you know what onigiri is it's also known as a rice cake i think in rice english ball. I, rice ball yeah and yeah they're really good like it's full of tuna and stuff by the way quick recipe how to make them at home rice tuna mayonnaise and seaweed aka nori nori here's how to make it Quick lesson. I wasn't expecting to teach you how to cook this time, but cook the rice like how you cook rice, I guess. Get tuna from like a can, put it in a bowl, put t put a ton of mayonnaise in there and mix it around until it sounds squelchy and it looks really nice. Taste test. If you don't like it, then I don't know. Maybe don't try this recipe if you don't like tuna or mayonnaise. But then you get the rice and you get the nori nori. You place the nori nori in like a sort of mold shape and then you put the rice in, stick some tuna in, put the rice over top, and then get put more seaweed on top, and then you simple them and then wrap it around wrap, um, cling wrap, and then throw it in like the fridge for like a few minutes to get it. Or if you want to eat it warm, you can just eat it warm. I wasn't expecting to say that today, but yeah. Cooking with Keanu. Yay. <laughs> I might have to create a whole cooking show or something. Mm. Uh, I don't think I would have enough to say, though. The only recipes I know is like onigiri and how to make tomato sauce bread balls. Tell me if you liked the video, if you want me to teach you how to make tomato sauce bread balls, I guess. Hint. All you need is tomato sauce and bread. Oh, boy. Okay. Now, for number four, the Japanese hotels. This is the fourth segment we're going to talk about. First of all, Japanese hotels. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Like, you might be just looking at the food I'm eating, and you might be thinking, oh, I want that so much. I ate none of it. I ate absolutely none of it. You might yes. think, oh, that's you're such a, a waste. You're but... a fussy turd, that's why. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. 
Don't say that. Don't say that. It's because for me, I, I like simple food like sausage rolls or chicken nuggets. That's too good for me. Like I have a limit on food. It can't be too bad or too good. Actually, there was no limit for too bad. I would eat French fries off the street if I could. It feels hygienic, I guess. God. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really into fancy stuff. I know that isn't too fancy. Actually, it's pretty fancy. But like, if you're a fan of Japanese food, this is um, an onsen hotel we went to. If you don't know what an onsen is, it's a hot spring. Yeah, pretty fun. It was nice going in an onsen. Very nice and warm. Let's just say like half of my mom and my sister, they both just stayed in for like three minutes while in our private one before they got out because it was too steamy. Like my dad, me and my brother stayed in there for like an hour. It was very that, nice. that was the private one we had. But you can also talk about you went to the public one with your grandfather yeah. and, yeah, and my brother. got in with all the naked dudes everywhere. I couldn't go because I've got tattoos everywhere and they don't let yeah. people with tattoos in. Well, let's just say, um, yeah, it was a good experience. Didn't look at people because they were naked. Yeah, yes. A bit, bit cringe. Yes, very cringe. Except I just didn't look relaxed. And I also hid behind one of the big poles. Because there was bubbles there, just bubbles coming out of a grate. So I played with the bubbles for like half an hour. Fun bubbles. Yeah, so I recommend like... If you if you don't have if you don't have tattoos, go there. Like, was I don't think you're allowed there unless you have private onsen. So, yeah, hotels. And that was like the second hotel we went to because we stayed at our grandparents and like our auntie's house. I think it is for like most of the trip. But let's talk about the first one we went to. Oh, when it, we first landed, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looked like a very bare building like it looked it didn't look fancy at all but let's just say the rooms inside were very fancy they looked very good yeah it it came with like a tv everything fridge it was amazing there like on the outside it looks like a random like walmart no not walmart walmart's look nice by the way walmart is american not here yeah it it was it was a hotel that was very close to the airport because we got in late at night so um it it was yeah it didn't look fancy on the outside but i think you're just shocked because um compared to most australian hotels just the level is (laughs) a lot higher let's just say one of the things i was going to say about stuff by the way here's a fact because do you know why everything is so good in japan because unlike everywhere else like in america and australia Australia, you have to be good. You can't just sell like dog poo fries at Mac at Whack Donald's for two bucks. At Japan, you have to be good to survive in the market. So yeah, that's why everything's so good in Japan, and why everything's poo poo everywhere else that you live probably, and oh not as good, because you have to be good to survive in Japan as a company, or else you'll die. Because you need to be good, because there's a ton of other good stuff. Yeah, the overall level of quality and the expectations is extremely high. Yeah. Except, except like anywhere like in Australia or America, not targeting any specifically or saying they're bad. It's just that you could like you could sell like something that's really bad, like it wouldn't have to be crazily good, and you would just like still make money and your business would probably good do good. But in Japan, you have to be top notch, perfect, or else you're gonna drown in the market. Like the expectations aren't that high here. Like you don't have to like make like fancy Japanese style 
to get any good in the market. Well, if that was true, you would be making millions, probably. Any business makers make like a convenience store in America or Australia would make everybody happy. God, please, I need one of those here. It's too hard to just live, just live without them. That was the perfect piece of thing. Infrastructure. Convenience stores. I think that's all I got to tell about Japanese hotels and food. The food there was really nice. By the way, although I'm normally like terrified of heights, we also went on something called the Omega Sky Building. What isn't it called? Yeah, something like that. You didn't even want to get on the escalator. You were freaking yeah. out, but then eventually you took a step on and you were totally fine. No, I was still like screaming while I was going up the escalator and the elevator. Yeah. Why do they, why, like, the thing I don't understand is like, I know it's probably going to be cool for some people, but like making the elevator see through? Mm. No. Like, if the, just like, if the outside walls are see through, like, you can just see the elevator going up. But if like the entire elevator is like see through, like plastic, nah, there's no way you're getting me on that elevator. So, yeah. Well, we did, eventually. Yeah, but it wasn't fully see-through, that elevator, or was it? Like, the no. floor was solid, and, like, some of, like, two of the walls were see-through, so you could look at the height. The thing about me is that after I get to a certain height, like, my fear just breaks, because I'm, like, like here, I'm very fine, because it's normal level. Here, I'm terrified, because it's high. Like, when it's this high, I just lose all fear of height, because it's that high. Yeah, it doesn't feel real. It was the same when I went skydiving. People said, weren't you scared? And I was like, but it's, it's so high up, it doesn't feel real. It wasn't until you got closer and it wasn't until I got closer to the ground that you that I thought, oh, this is actually, if something happens here, I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Like you just, it just feels like a dream at that point. Like you're just dreaming a bad dream. Talking about bad dreams, I fall a lot in my dreams. Like a lot, a lot. I have a lot of falling dreams, but that's mainly stopped recently. By the way, um, yeah, the Omega Sky Building, very cool. Um, and there was a cool shop up there. I ate a bird up there, not a real bird, but a bird cookie. Of uh, If you don't know them, they're like the very white puffy birds that like come out in Japan winter, I think. Very cute. I, I guess just search up white fluffy Japanese bird on the internet and you might get it. But cookie was good. Shop was good and stuff. We also got like a little gacha gacha. It gave you like a tiny little model of your Maker Sky building. Like there was a see-through one, a gold one, a silver one, the normal one. I got the see-through one. So yeah, and it was so cool the little model because you could see the escalator part, the escalator cylinders that go up to the main part, like even the elevators. So that much detail, very good. And that's also where I got a Godzilla Lego set, which should be back on my table somewhere. It was like this little Lego packet. I'll I'll just correct you. It's not Omega. It's Umeda. 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 Yeah, very close. Yeah, so basically that tiny little Lego thing, it's like the mini Legos. If you've been to like a Daiso or something, I I don't know if they exist in America, like any Japanese store that sells those tiny Legos, you know how tiny they are. They are. And I made a little Shin Godzilla. If you don't know what Shin Godzilla is, then you don't know what Godzilla is, then big lizard, big radioactive lizard is all you need to know when it comes to Godzilla. Big big radioactive lizards slap each other in the face until one dies. That's how Godzilla works. That's Godzilla for you. 
Speaking of Godzilla, I think Godzilla vs. Kong 2 was filmed in Australia. Parts of it were filmed in, like, Sydney. That's cool. Very cool. I feel like there's been a ton of stuff, like, Japanese-wise and everything. Like, Japan is the best place to go for anything. Like, a ton of good things are happening in Japan. Like, Super Nintendo World, like, the pandemic has, like, really slowed down. It's a good time to go there, even though it's probably going to be tons packed. Surprisingly, there wasn't too many, like, foreign people there. Sort of, I saw a lot of Japanese people there, from what I remember. Like, there was a few families of Japanese, a few families from, like, anywhere else. Isn't there, like, mostly Chinese and Russian people there because they're close or something? Isn't that it? Didn't you say? Oh, there's all sorts, mate. Yeah, it just depends on which areas you go to. Yeah. All right, I know you've got a few more things you want to touch on. We better get a move on, otherwise your mum's going to kill us because it's going to be lunchtime soon. So. Yeah, I mean, it's 12.30, so I think it's a bit late for lunch. Now yeah. let's speed this up. I spent a lot on Japanese hotels and food because there's a lot of Japanese foods and hotels that you need to talk about. By the way, dive into anything deeper if you want to go. By the way, good good tip for you. If you're going on a family trip, don't go to t- Tokyo. I, I don't, I've never been there, but just, like, don't. Go to, like, Osaka or Nagoya. It's better. Anyways, Tokyo don't have Super Nintendo World or USJ. Go to Osaka for that. Well, they got Disney Osaka World, though, now. so don't write it off just yet. they got two Disneylands. So. Two Disneylands? Isn't that too many Disneylands? You never have I, too many I, Disneylands, apparently. I mean, I've, ne- I've never been to a Disneyland. Not Neither I've ever wanted to go to one, I guess. I'm pretty sure you have been to Tokyo when you're a baby, but you wouldn't remember it, of course. Yeah, I only remember. I don't even remember what happened yesterday. Actually, I do remember what happened yesterday, but only at nighttime. We had a fire. That's all I remember from yesterday. Nice. So yeah, time to get to the next topic. It is aquariums. There's a lot of good ones there. Now, he yeah, you can see. That's the thing for sea turtles. You might think, that's pretty cruel, and yeah, just Japan aquariums are like that, most of them. Like, it's very confined space, and it's like, like in Australia and America, I bet there's, like, really well decored and stuff and natural looking, but that's what it looks like in Japan, turtles in there. I believe those ones, those were, like, ones that were being rehabilitated from injuries and that sort of thing. So, So that's good. I mean, they have to be kept in that so they don't get more injured. Yeah. So that's like the holding pen. Yeah. And that's the like the only image that we got up for here. But a ton of stuff. There was two aquariums I wanted to talk about. Let's talk about this one. Yes, that's also another part of it. You can touch fish, and I, those are sturgeons. One of my favorite things we're doing. It's like in gacha gachas. They're the best way. It's so hilarious how they made money. Guess what? So you could get fishing rods to feed the fish by throwing it in with a little bait. And then you can catch them, except they just suck it off because there is no hook or else. That's right. That would you be have, trouble. You have to get the bait from a gacha gacha machine. That's right. Yeah, I forgot you, all about that. Yeah, you slot a coin in, and then you crank it, and then you get the bait. Mm. And it was so fun. Like, I remember just tying, and there was like a little pullable, like, bendable thing that's basically a pipe cleaner without the fuzziness. <laughs> I tried to curl it around as much on the bait as possible to try and get one stuck on it. All of the times they just either sucked it up, but one time it got really close and I held it for like a solid five seconds. It was pretty cool. Touching the sturgeons was probably my favorite part or trying to grab fish from the inside because 
there's this little section. It was really fun because there's this big wall tank with like a ton mm. of exotic fish. And then there's a tiny little scoop zones that where you can dip your hand in them and your hand goes into the tank upwards and you can feed them in there by holding food. Yeah, I, I remember- still can't get my head around the mechanics of that. I, I don't understand why the water does, doesn't come pouring out. I looked at it for a solid 10 minutes and I couldn't work it out. That's some Me kind neither. of miraculous because- feat of engineering. It's because there was also a second wall, so it must have been like made it so it specifically can't get out. Yeah, I don't know. And then I dip my hand in. I see one fish that's missing an eye. Just you can see the socket. I fed that one a lot, and I was happy because it made me happy to know that I was feeding a fish that was injured. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Just sticking your hand in there, just letting the bait float around them, and they just go. Nom, nom. It was very funny, and. If you guys don't like eels or squiggly stuff, then this is your nightmare, but we don't have any images for it. But a tank that's like this big, you don't really know reference because I don't, you don't know how large I am in any size, shape, or form. But it was a long tank, like yes. long, just packed with eels. There was no space of water that was not eels. Like they literally had to put grating and locks on the top because if you dipped your finger in there... And then your finger's gone. Like you had to feed them like with a staff, with like staff nearby or something to drop the food in. Yeah, wasn't it, it was... with tongs as well? Didn't you have to use tongs? Yeah, you to had to them? use tongs and gloves mm. to feed them. Whilst your hand would disappear. The eels in there. You dip your hand, your child dips their hand in there. I'll make your hand disappear. <gasps> your child lost his hand. Yep, yes. very horrifying. And there was also a lot of turtles there. I love turtles, if you don't know that. Turtles. Turtles are technically my favorite animal, but my real favorite animal is orcas. Orcas are just cooler. Speaking of orcas, I was hoping to see orcas in Japanese aquariums, but never got to see any. One of my dreams is to see an orca in person, but... Yes, I don't don't think they keep them in aquariums anymore. They used to at Nagoya Aquarium, but... um... Yeah, it's the ethics of that have have kind of come to light. People kind of used to enjoy seeing orcas in aquarium, but I think a lot more people nowadays realise that such massive, intelligent creatures like orcas don't really deserve to be kept in essentially a prison bathtub for their entire lives. In American SeaWorlds, I think there is, they have orca shows, and I think they still do that, but also... Be warned if you're if you're buying to um go to an orca show, you also might be buying to see somebody get murdered by orcas. Yay, extra deal. I bet they didn't write that down in the pack, but I guess it's something extra and traumatizing for your children. So yay, yes. trauma to yeah. There's yeah. literally reports of like multiple SeaWorld staff that that do the shows with the orcas being flinged around in the air by the orcas like a ball until they die or drowning them yeah I, don't, I believe maybe somebody in the comments can correct us but i don't believe that's the case anymore i don't think they have them over there either anymore uh, i don't know but i think i think they that like closed in 2019 anybody in the comments fix me on that i don't know much about that yeah there was a, um, but also, there was a show called blackfish it was like a documentary that showed how bad it was and this that and the other thing yeah but also if you think that um, that was um, 
if you think that orcas are so scary, except you love dolphins, I'm going to ruin your entire viewpoint on loving dolphins. Sorry. Click off the video if you love dolphins, because I'm about to say this. Dolphins are murderers. There, I've said it. They've drowned multiple people in the ocean. What? They think... Yeah, Have you got any facts to back this up? Have you got any references? Dolphins drown people. Like, they literally think it's fun, happy, pushing them down to the bottom, and then they die. Most people have had traumatizing experiences with dolphins in the wild. Well, they think it's all fun that. and funny. Except, no, it, it's very rare, but, like, they will do that sometimes. Have I ever so told you the- my dolphin story? I don't know if I have. You told me this. Wait, can I... I t- you told me the turtle story. Why don't you tell them that, the turtle story? They got almost drowned from turtle. Oh, yes. I was um, snorkeling with my little brother. He was he was probably about your age. Um, yeah. We were out at Kira Reef, and I saw a turtle. It was quite a large turtle. Um, I dove down there. Normally, when you dive down, if you try and grab hold of a turtle, they just they kind of just go a little bit ahead of you, like you can never get them. But for whatever reason, this turtle let me grab onto its back flippers. So I grabbed onto this turtle's back flippers and we're going, wee, we're going up and down in the water column and we kept going down and down and down. And um, when I started to think, oh, geez, I better let go so I can get a breath. When I did let go and I looked up, I was very, very deep under the water and my brother who was at the top of the water, he reckoned he couldn't even see me anymore. I went down so far and um, I was very, very lucky. I was probably seconds away when I just kicked my legs as hard as I could and kind of burst out the surface. And I was at the point where you've breathed out everything and then your body just automatically breathes in. But that happened just as I kind of come out and um, I did get a big mouthful of water and was coughing and spluttering, but, yeah, that would have been that could have been very bad because my little brother he wouldn't know what to do and I would have just been shark poop. But yes, my dolphin story. I, I'm yeah, as I said, I'm not sure if I told you this. Now I have had plenty of um, uh, experiences with wild dolphins. Uh, I grew up on the Gold Coast, um, you know, surfing as a young kid every morning before school, after school, and one day we're out in. It was a time of the year where the water was crystal clear and there was a big pot of dolphins there and it was kind of cool. We were sitting on our surfboards waiting for the waves to come in and the dolphins were zooming underneath us and jumping out the water and all sorts of stuff. This one dolphin kind of surfed a couple of waves with us and then as one point it popped up between in between me and a friend and it looked at us and, you know, how that noise that dolphins make, the kind of laughing noise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they make so, clicking noises. Yeah, so he popped his head out, had a look at what we are doing. He did a bit of a, a head shake and a bit of a laugh. He went back down under the water and then he came back up tail first. He stuck his tail up in the air and basically showed us his butthole and then flapped his tail yeah. around, went back under the water, stuck his head back up again, laughed again, and then they all swam off. So it was like he just chucked a, he chucked a whatever the dolphin equivalent is of a brown eye. He chucked us a blue eye. Yeah, but I feel like... Imagine just like that was a do- a show dolphin that managed to escape. He wants to continue doing his career with surfing. That, that's what I said to my friends at the time because, you know, we're on the Gold Coast. It's very close to one of the major theme parks on the Gold Coast, um, SeaWorld. And I was yeah. like, that he must have escaped from SeaWorld. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that would make much sense. Like he yeah. already knows how to do those tricks and he probably thought, give me food. The trainers yeah. gave me food, so give me food. 
I did you a funny dance, so now give me food. Yes, indeed. Because it's very cool, like when they flap their tails in the air while they're swimming. Yes. That's he probably was trying to do that trick. Yeah, I'm not sure. Anyway, this is not my show. This is your show. You got two more points to touch on, I believe. What's up next? Yep. And Legoland. Let's just say magical experience. Never seen so much pieces of plastic in my life at one place. Except there's probably more here than that massive big thing in the center of the Pacific Ocean of trash. The trash guy. That's there's probably more plastic here than there. I mean, it's it's a, it's a land made of Lego. Of course, there's more plastic. Do you see that sculpture there? Doesn't it look like it's a real statue? No, that's made of Lego. Lots of Lego. Lots and lots and lots of Lego. Too much Lego. Let's just say a lot of Lego there. I mean, what do you expect? It's called Legoland. But Legoland was a pretty fun experience. My favorite part was definitely Miniland. If you've never heard of it, Miniland is the best place in the world. And we we could source we saw so many different things in Miniland of where we've been. We even saw the Omeda Sky Building mm. as in Lego. It was so cool. You we feel like so a giant many... walking around with all the Lego City, hey? Yeah, it's so cool. Oh. And like you can even walk on the roads of certain parts of Miniland. Makes you feel like Godzilla. Someone bring a T Rex. Yes. Someone bring the flabby dinosaur costume. It's it's the recreation of Godzilla, yes. except on a budget. Absolutely. And yeah, boom, that's the next Godzilla movie. Uh, for anybody who's trying to make a rip off Godzilla movie, go to Mil- Mini Land and like one of those flabby dinosaur costumes. Try and let them get you on the Mini Land zone. Take a few shots of that, and then boom, you got their own. The uh the attack of flappy dinosaur in Japan. Boom. New movie for you. Boom. Instant money. I promise you that. Except you're probably gonna get kicked out or something. You would definitely get kicked out. There was security people everywhere. Yeah. Yes. There was also right next to Miniland, there's Big Land. Now Big Land wasn't that special compared to Miniland. It was just a massive Giant fake Lego bricks just sitting around and stuff. Nothing too special to talk about that area. There was like a place where you can build Lego, built a snom, fun. And yeah, it was pretty nice. There was also a racing zone and like you could take photos and stuff. By the way, uh, the toilets, if you're un- wondering, the toilets and urinals were not made of Lego. Sorry if you wanted to see that, but no, they're not. My brother also... My brother also thought in the next segment, and U- we're going to talk about USJ, and he thought that the urinals in Super Nintendo World would be piranha plants with open mouths. It's Probably stupid. disgusting, but yeah. I guess it makes decent sense, piranha plant. Except I feel like you would lose your wiener after that. If it, From piranha plants, I wouldn't trust going in those urinals. Well, you might just swap genders. From that, yay, I guess. So, anyway, more about Legoland. I think that's all I got to talk about, besides one more thing, which is the lunch. Amazing, just absolutely amazing. The burgers were delicious there, very nice. The burgers were super good, nice and cheesy. It was so good. And the chips, 
let's just say don't buy more than one packet of chips or what's your f- family of five can't finish like one packet of chips. That's right. Those, yeah. The chips hit as hard as a truck. Oh, very dense, weren't they? Yeah, that's right. I very dense truck. Like literally, if you if you could just buy like a whole, if you're just a one man just going to lunch, you could just buy like one box of chips and then you'd be full for lunch. Literally, it's just crazy some of that stuff in Legoland. Anyway, next segment, let's go to USJ. We have a ton of stuff to talk about in USJ, but the main part is Super Nintendo World. Yes, that is Ma and Luigi right there, Mario. Right back in the back, you can see One Up Factory and all of the staff that had to dress up in silly costumes that look like Mario and probably, uh, bruh, like they probably get paid a lot for that job. But it's probably pretty embarrassing if you think about it. By being seen as many people as just a random guy in a Mario costume. Well, what about the Not- tech that was associated with like you on the way into that? We bought. Well, you three kids bought a special armband that it must have had some yeah. kind of QR scanner or something in it, some kind of signal yeah, thing. the power-up bands. Yeah, and Yahoo. you could play games and you got points and rewards and that sort of thing. Could you I see mean, that in the future, like, becoming something where you earned, like, actual NFTs or get discounts like, for meals or something? Yeah, like, imagine if they made, like, an in certain Genesis Week stuff, like, you could buy a special upland band and like there would be secret spots but, like you could gain special genesis week nfts for finding little secrets and tapping that band on there you go or People like at different or like at different like stands you could scan your band and then you would get like a free nft for that person's stand like you could get a more cheese nft if you went to the udu one oh. that would be actually pretty cool upland developers listen uh, add that in your next genesis week you will make a lot of money and make it just as pricey as Super Nintendo World. Like, make it 40, 30, 70 bucks, and people will still buy it. I mean, look at all of those people. More than 90% of them had power up bands, and each one costs like 60 bucks per person. Nintendo's, yes. Now, Nintendo's like $500 trillion richer from that. And that comes every day. So, the amount of money, like, if you don't live there, you're only going once, and then, and then, like, if you're going back again, and you leave your power-up bands back at your home, you have to buy whole new ones, and that's not that's not cheap. So that's the cost, and yeah, a ton of stuff was expensive there. Uh, one of the things that I found the most like stupidly weird was the Yoshi ride. The Yoshi ride, you know, the kids one, and it's very slow going around, around the little zone. It's a very cool viewing thing, but the Bowser's Challenge ride, where you go on the Mario Kart AR, had less, was faster waiting time than the Yoshi ride. That's just, it just, it seems insane. Like, the Yoshi ride was one hour, 30 minutes wait time, while the Bowser's one was one hour. Why? Is just Yoshi popular or something? I bet Yoshi is. But definitely, I hated the one hour and 30 minute wait for Yoshi's ride. Except, like, there wasn't that much to see compared to Bowser's Challenge, where there was, like, tons of different Easter eggs around the little waiting lines, which made it entertaining to walk around and try and find stuff. Like, it was better if the lines were long, because then you could not miss a detail. 
while you're moving along. And now let's talk about different aspects of Super Nintendo World in its rides. The Yoshi Land, you hit Big Egg button when you see Big Egg. Yay, fun, I guess. And then you get special stamp. By the way, there's technically collectible NFTs in that, did I mention? Except they have no worth. After like doing certain stuff, you get different stickers. Because in Super Mario 3D World, you can collect stamps, which get you different things in a stamp book. And like after completing certain stuff, or like doing all of the events in there, you get a certain sticker for your account connected to your power-up man. So yeah, you could say it's sort of NFTs, like you can collect them, and it's really cool to have them. There's the golden ones, which are like the biggest challenges. I feel like you you can't go to Super Nintendo World without getting a power-up band, whilst you just wasted the entire trip. That's what I think about it. Like, And also, now let's talk about the best part of it, the Bowser Ride. Now, the Bowser Ride was a crazy experience. It felt so fun. Like, you could shoot, like, Bowser in the face 500 times in a row. And you, you could just... It was so fun. Because when you get hit by a green shell, your cart literally takes the time to stop in the real little slow ride and spin around, like, five times before going back on track. It just... Yes. That tiny little touch made the ride absolutely perfect. And I also I, love shooting Bowser in the face 500 times in a row. That was enjoyable. Yeah, I explained on this show a few episodes ago about that. And was I on your carriage or were you with mum? I was with mum. It was yeah. just mum and me and st- some right. randos. That's right. Because the one I was on, everyone was angry at me because I forgot to put my glasses on and I couldn't see what, what the hell I was doing. <laughs> so I, got a re- I didn't get the 100 coins, which meant that our carriage failed the challenge. So yeah, mum was everybody like, had <laughs> Yeah, everybody in our carriage got like more than 110, I think. Nice. It was, yeah. Well, so you sound like they're getting hungry out there. Um, all right. Well, we've covered a lot today. So that's, that's, yeah, you've that's told us yeah, that's some of the stuff the you're list. interested in about Japan. Do you have any idea what you'd like to talk about next whenever you want to do this show again? Okay. So I have some topics. You guys can decide in the comments. I'll tell my dad to check the comments of what I should do next from these ideas. Which of these should I talk about? The history of Earth, if you want to know that. I think everybody will not want that one. Uh, and uh, we'll also, uh, can talk about my different, the different reasons I like turtles, facts about turtles, and many different we- times I've seen turtles. By the way, I can give you a side story of the turtles in the gutter, if you want to hear that. The many turtles in gutters in Japan. I'll that can be one of yes. my side episodes if you want that. Awesome. All right. Well, thank yeah. you very much for joining us in t- today, again today for your third yeah. appearance on the show. And, yeah, I'm happy to help you set it up in future if you want to do some more this, that, and the other things. And thank you for covering for more cheese this week. Um, I did believe at one stage you wanted to interview more cheese even. So that could be interesting. Yeah. So, yes, it keep your... A- Eyes and ears out for that one. All right, I'll leave the final words to you. It was a pleasure to be here. I'm probably going to be on the show like maybe more times in the next few years. But the main parts of you guys will see me is on the side shows. Anyway, see ya out.
idea where to go? Well, come on over to Samurai Aquatics and Decor for all your outdoor decor needs. Got yourself an empty plot of boring virtual real estate in the metaverse, do you? Yeah, just delete that. I'm still not ready. Sorry. Got yourself an empty plot of boring virtual real estate in the metaverse, do you? Or maybe some kind of crappy ramshackle building that, I don't know, needs a bit of extra spunk to it or something. And stop mucking about and get yourself over to Samurai Aquatics Discord to see all our available stock. We've got loads of different decor to spend your pretend money on. We've got saunas to fire you up and ice baths to chew you the fudge out. Literally stock coming out of our ears. Grills, swings, seating and more. So much more. And if we don't got it, give us a buzz and we can probably make it. Get yourself on over to Samurai Aquatics at 30 Aqua Vista Way in Midtown Terrace, San Francisco, Liggety Split, and gorge yourself on outdoor decor. <laughs> 